Pod is a ministry of Grace Church Greenwich. For more resources to help you get to know God better through his word, including bite-sized theology and answers to big questions, do check out www.greenwich.church. We hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome to Grace Pod, and we've come to maybe the most poignant chapter of Mark's Gospel. I mean, Jesus' death is going to be next time, but this is the chapter in which all of his disciples, one by one, peel off and abandon him and leave him alone. Jesus um, begins the section by saying, All of you will fall away, for it is written, I'll strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. And then that's exactly what happens. Uh, what, should we take it through scene by scene? Because it, it begins with bravado and protest. No, no, Jesus, we won't, we won't. Well, even if I die with you, um, I will not deny you, says Peter. And then everyone else agrees. And Jesus says, no, no, before the cock crows twice, you will deny me three times. And, and they have had three years of intensive training. They were called out from amongst the crowds in chapter three to preach, to cast out demons and and arguably, surely they should be ready to graduate now. They can, if anyone is ready, they are. Um, and yet Jesus says, no, no, you're you're really you're not part of the solution here. You're part of the problem. You're going to be the ones who deny me. So the first scene, um, Gethsemane, and Jesus very distressed and troubled, and I mean, even this is quite a shocking moment in the gospel because Jesus so far in Mark, has not got in a flap about things at all. And you think he's been in some pretty s- serious situations. You know, chapter... Chapter 4, at the, um, when the, everyone else, the, the hardened sailors are despairing for their lives and he's just calm, cool as a cucumber. <laughs> yeah, uh, or like chapter, chapter 5. Yeah. yeah, I think the great minds think like, um, <laughs> the, t- the man with the tombs with 2,000 demons and Jesus is just, you know, quietly says to him, get out, you unclean spirit. So he's missed the calm and collected... And yet here, he's very distressed. And he, it's like he, for the first time, needs, needs them. They, they needed him all the way through these crises. But now he's like, please, please stay awake with me. I'm very upset. And they, they're just sleepy and they doze off. And I think the questions are so poignant. Simon, are you sleeping? Couldn't you watch just one hour? And then the second time they fall asleep and... They didn't know what to answer him. I just imagine they they know that they're letting him down, but they're tired and they're sort of speechless. And then the last time, another question, are you still sleeping and taking your rest? So the sort of poignancy of Jesus really could do with some support here, but they provide none. And and there really is a, a sense that things might go the wrong way in verse 36. All things are possible for you. Remove this cup. Lord, if there is any other way, mm. I, I want out. I've I've done come, come this far and I can't go any further. And, you know, at that moment, the whole of, <laughs> the whole of creation holds its breath because if, if he doesn't go through, we're in real trouble. Um, and I think the... Um, I, it's this scene that really convinces me. Sometimes people say, oh, but what about the you know, a good person who's always been sincere, turning up at, at the gates of heaven, surely they wouldn't be turned away. And and I, I think of Jesus, you know, saying, if there were any other way, do you think my father would have put me through this? Look at my scars. If he says, um, all things are possible, remove this cup, please, father. And the father says, no, no other way. And I think that, for me, seals the deal. It, if uh, Jesus said it was not messing around, he didn't do this for a joke. Huh. 
And and then yet not what I will. It's just it's the best news, best line in the gospel, isn't it? Because it's um, it's the reversal of Adam's attitude. I want what I will, not what you will. And then Jesus says, "No, I'm going to do it the other way. Not what I will, but what you will, Lord." And in those words is hope for humanity. Um, blasphemously, Steve Chalk has described penal substitution as as child abuse cosmic child abuse, a vengeful father punishing his son for an offence he hasn't committed. And this speaks against that, doesn't it? Because this is not God the Father against God the Son. Um, It's God the Son choosing to align his will with God the Father. So it's not when Jesus says, not my will, but what you will, this isn't God the Father sort of forcing him against his will. It's Jesus willingly, willingly willing what the Father wills. You, you might almost say, Jesus says, what I really want, Father, is what you want rather than what I want. So it's, it's like, yeah, I'm, I'm not expressing it well, but it's not, it's not the Father and the Son at odds. It's the Son aligning himself with the Father. And there's this um, contrast. We're going to see the moment of separation between Jesus and, um, and his disciples in a minute. But this is the preparation period and mm. they are sleeping instead of praying and Jesus is wrestling in prayer. And, and it's it's just another uh, hint that only Jesus, I mean, he, he does win when the, te- you know, when at the time of trial he's he's ready for it, but it's because he's been um, preparing for it um, in, in this section. What's that line of um, that hymn? How wonderful, how marvellous this my song shall ever be. And it just has, for me, he prayed in the garden. And, and the last line of the verse is, he suffered and died alone. Yeah. And it's it's brilliantly captured it. I, I wish I could remember all the lyrics. Maybe you can find them. But, um, I stand amazed, isn't it? I stand amazed. That's the, yeah, that's the chorus. Um, but it's the what it captures is the garden is a lonely time. So it's not just Jesus facing this terrible cost but he does it without without the help or support of, of us or the disciples or, or anyone. He um, then, then comes the next scene where Judas shows up um, with a crowd with swords and clubs from the chief priests and the scribes and the elders and um, gives a sign and kisses Jesus and, and they seize him. And I, I think this is really interesting because even though the the disciples in the end, they're going to all run away. And we might just say, oh, is it, they're cowards. You know, Jesus is brave because he goes to his death. And they, they, but they're not cowards because at this point with a great crowd, an armed crowd coming to seize Jesus, um, Jesus' disciples are ready to fight yeah. and they draw a sword. And this is, you know, it's, it's suicide, basically. Presumably they could all be massacred by this big army. Um, so when when they say, at the beginning of the passage, if I must die with you, I will not deny you. you it looks like they're really following through on that because they, they are actually willing to die for Jesus here. But then, strangely, at the end of the paragraph, they all run away. And you think, what has happened to change them from being brave enough to lose their lives for Jesus to fleeing and leaving him on his own? And I think it's the fact that Jesus... Well, Jesus says, let the scriptures be fulfilled and effectively hands him himself over to the mob. The thing that makes the disciples run is the realisation Jesus is going to go through with this mm. and he intends to die. Like we will we'll, we'll die to keep Jesus from dying. Yeah. But when he's determined to die, we're, we're out of here. Yeah. And then um, 
there's a the second half of the passage we've got um well peter was insistent that even though they all fall away i will not peter knows is convinced he's the top dog and so now we focus in on just the hero of heroes peter is the best let's see how he fares and he and he really is he does give us a glimmer of hope doesn't he because they they've all run away including the guy who's run away start naked because someone's grabbed his cloak and his who people think might be Mark himself who writes the gospel. So they, they grab his gown. He's in such a rush to get away that he just runs off stalkers. But Peter is still following, admittedly at a distance, but Peter goes right into the high priest courtyard, which again is, is quite courageous. It's, it's a very risky place, yeah. And, and there's a, um, we're used to this if we're readers of Mark, but a, a sandwich where we, we start the Peter story, he's warming himself by the fire, 54 and then we could jump straight down to the rest of the Peter story. He's warming himself by the fire again in 66, 67. But in the middle, there's a, a bit of um, jam in the middle of the sandwich. And, and in between Peter's testing, we get just this, this middle section of Jesus's testing so that we can compare and contrast. Jesus on trial before the, um, the Jewish court, the high priest, the chief priest, the elders, the scribes. Peter's in, in, on trial before a, a young girl <laughs> and some passers-by. Passers yeah. And uh, where Peter crumbles, and he doesn't crumble... Uh, well, he, it's interesting because um, the Lord has said to him that before the cock crows twice, you'll deny me three times. And um, Yeah, I think the sequence is poignant, isn't it? Because it could go deny, 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 cock-a-diddle-dee, cock-a-diddle-dee. But it actually goes, deny, cock a doodle do. So that the first cock will crow comes as a sort of warning to Peter. I mean, this is Peter's opportunity to be reminded of what Jesus had said. And then he has to push right through that reminder and denies and denies again. And then the second cock a doodle do. So it's a kindness to give him a little wake up call, but even that wasn't enough. Hmm. Um. And then he, he weeps and. I mean, it's important to say, isn't it, that Peter is not Judas. So they, they both let Jesus down, but in very different ways. So with Judas, it's a, a hard-hearted apostasy, a turning away from him. With Peter, it's a weakness that he deeply regrets immediately. So he, you know, when they fall asleep in Gethsemane, it's not because they don't care. It's just the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. When Peter denies Jesus, not that he hates Jesus, it's just he's... He's, you know, he's he's ashamed of himself immediately at it. So it, it it's important we say that they're they're both sinners, but Judas is is a um, an, an abandoning grace that will will not be forgiven, whereas Peter's is a um, a failing that will be that Jesus himself will, will will bring forgiveness and restoration. And there's there's a fascinating thing when Jesus is on trial because um, the the prosecution is not great. This is the best of. Um, Israel's lawyers trying to take him down and it just isn't working for them so that uh, verse 56 they brought false witnesses but their testimony did not agree now, I think eventually Jesus gets exasperated and then delivers the their case for them on a plate just to speed things along he's Jesus yeah. um, says uh, well and they make a false accusation and then say have you no answer and then uh, Jesus eventually says look I am 
the son of the blessed, verse 62, and you will see the son of man seated at the right hand of power coming with the clouds of heaven. And they say, what further witnesses do we need? So Jesus gives them exactly what they need to finish the job. And it's, you pointed out to me, we are just talking earlier, that this is ultra ironic because um, they bear false witness. Jesus actually bears a true witness. Like he, he is the son of man. He is going to come in the clouds. They will see it. The Daniel 7 coronation of the I mean they that is absolutely true and then uh, they say oh it's blasphemy no no this is true (laughs) it's the the first true thing we've heard in this court yeah and then they ironically say oh come on prove that you're the son of man prophesy it's like hello this is what I'm doing I mean like this is the the truest of all prophecy and ironically it's the thing that they reject as being false when everything they say is false and it's a cruel taunt because they're striking him in the face while blindfolded and then saying prophesy which one of us was it and and we're meant to feel the the irony that the whole passage has been about jesus being a true prophet he said at the beginning a specific prophecy before the cock crows you'll deny me it's happening as we speak it couldn't be clearer here is a man who whose words can always be trusted then and then you know they don't receive his testimony but we as readers we know gosh if he can predict that then everything he says even what he says about the son of man returning it is um to be depended on it's really um trustworthy so let's just zoom out and put this all together jesus said um it's written strike the shepherd the sheep will be scattered and this is happening and jesus said of peter you'll deny me three times and and it happens and we see the the gradual abandonment of Jesus until at the end, as he's about to go to the cross, he does so alone. Um, it's obvious what it says about humans, I suppose, like we're we're weak and um, fickle, and you know when 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 it really counts, we're you know we're, we we don't come through. And it'd be very foolish to say, oh, we'd have done better. I mean, that's that's Peter's mistake, isn't it? Even though they all fall away, I won't. And if the modern question says, even though the disciples fall away, I wouldn't have done. I mean, that, that would be really ironic. It shows us our weakness. But what it says about Jesus is that this is a work on the cross that he has to do alone. And I was just thinking about this in terms of the theology of the atonement, the theology of the cross, that on the one hand, the cross is something that Jesus does and that we do. We share it with him. So when he says in chapter 8, um, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. Um, that whole section, Jesus is saying the cross is the pattern for all Christians. He does it and we do it. But then here we're getting a different um, emphasis, which is, yeah, there's a sense in which we all are crucified with Christ. But there's another sense in which the crucifixion is something he does alone for us. It's the truth of substitution. You know, he he goes to the place that we don't have to go with him because only he can go there. Yeah. And, and I think there's a few ways in which that comes through in this passage that, that Jesus is going to, is about to face something that we don't have to face. Do you want to talk us through the, the Old Testament references? Well, I, I was thinking of, I don't know what exactly you're thinking about, but I, I was thinking about how when there's certain times when God is happy to share what he's doing with his people and we t- play a part with it. Is that what you mean? And, and certain times when um, he says, no, let, uh, you can just watch now because I'm going to do this on my own. And mm. a classic example is Exodus 14, where um, they're about to, the Lord is about to bring mm. them across the Red Sea and they're all worried 
And Moses says, look, stand firm and watch the deliverance the Lord will bring you. The, mm. the Egyptians you see, you'll, you'll never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You only need to be still. Mm. And it's, the Lord makes it as, as obvious as he can. They have a, a, a battle between the biggest superpower of the day, the Egyptians and the Israelites. And how many Israelites draw their swords? Zero. It's, it's basically a battle where the, the whole of the enemy is wiped out. And all they do, the Israelites, is watch it. And, and, and this is what we see in the garden is that, um, you know, the, the best of humanity uh, that is, are just left sleeping and or deserting. And Jesus mm. goes off alone and wins the battle. It is not a team game, the salvation of the world. Jesus mm. uh, is very jealous to do the job on his own. Mm. That's really, oh yeah, that's really helpful. I, I was thinking of the, um, the verses about the curse that Jesus was about to bear. So... That quote from Zechariah 13, strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. You read the context and, and God says, awake my sword against the shepherd, against the one who's close to me. So it's clear that the sword that will strike Jesus is God's sword. And then the the imagery of the cup, Jesus in Gethsemane, take this cup from me. You think, what's a cup to be scared of? And then you think, oh, this is the imagery from actually all over the Old Testament. It's in Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, um, Habakkuk, the Psalms, about the cup of God's wrath that the wicked of the earth must drink down to its dregs. And here's Jesus facing the the wrath of God, drinking the the wrath, being struck by God's sword in order that we we won't have to. So it's kind of, last last time we looked at the Passover, the, 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 the sacrifice of blood of the lamb that meant that God's judgment would pass over. And it's sort of the same picture, but it's emphasizing that the lamb gets it. He, he bears the brunt of the punishment that we escape. Hmm. And I guess, I mean, there's a sort of Bible reading where we try and take moral lessons and we say, Oh, they didn't watch and pray. We need to watch and pray, etc. And I think of all places hmm. in the Bible, hmm. this is not the how to passage. This is the, just stand and watch and marvel. I stand amazed in the presence and just just watch your salvation unfold and realise that he did it alone. Well, it's, it, on the one hand, it's a very sad chapter, watching them abandon him, but there's a, there's a very happy note in it. And I don't want to sort of spoil it because it's actually going to be the punchline of the entire Gospel of Mark, but just to set it up for you, um, for, for the listener... Um, podcast listener jesus to finish the quote jesus says you will all fall away it's written i'll strike the shepherd the sheep will be scattered but after i'm raised up i'll go before you to galilee Hmm. and so jesus he builds the happy ending into it you're you're all going to abandon me and i'm going to be on my own and but i'll see you later and we'll catch up in galilee just when it's all done when when i'm alive again after this (laughs) it's like he hasn't forgotten the resurrection, even as he's about to go to this ordeal. That's beautiful. And, and we'll pick that up later. Thanks again for joining us. And um, yeah, if it's been a help to you, please do um, share and rate it. And uh, we look forward to um, seeing you on the flip side in Mark chapter 15. Thank you for listening to Grace Pod. For more information about Grace Church Greenwich, visit www.greenwich.church.